Welcome back to the Chelsea Roar, the Chelsea show by a fan for you, the fans. And today I do have a fellow Chelsea fan on, Mr. Carl Kingwell, one of my right hand men. Carl, welcome to your first appearance to the Chelsea Roar, my brother. No problem. Thanks for having me on. It's great to be on. Thanks for being here. And a familiar face that people will know uh, from the Dynamo Podcast Network. He is the host of about a thousand shows. He is the Dean Malenko of, uh, of podcasting. He <laughs> is the man of a thousand and four podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> You're a Liverpool fan. My friend, our friend and yours, Mr. Noel, the shopkeeper Hogan. Noel, welcome to the show. How are we, man? I'm suffering a little bit. I'm only back from Liverpool and we yes. had a heavy all weekend. Yeah. It was good, yeah. It was very, very good. Noel <laughs> was over at a at Brighton at Anfield during the week, so or at the weekend, should I say? So um he he's he's been very, very kind enough to come back and talk because he is Mr. Football and he loves football, has he no is. prejudice. Um, but he's decided to uh, to come on the show today and, and chat a little bit about Chelsea. Yeah. Even brought on a blue glass for the night, isn't it? Yeah. You <laughs> full of pure vodka, <laughs> just just to get him. He's still on the hair of the dog. <laughs> what a weekend! Um, lads, let's start. Obviously, um, I've done the relaunch of the Chelsea, uh, the Chelsea Roar. Uh, thank you, everybody, by the way, on Twitter who has been kind enough to kind of reach out and stuff. I know we're still minimal numbers on Twitter. It takes a while to build that up, but it's 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 grown nicely. And most importantly, it's some very important people within the Chelsea realm um, that are are kind of uh, reaching out and saying that we've done a good job. So thank you for anybody that has viewed or commented and you know all that good stuff. Um, we'll give you all the we'll give you all the links at the end. And uh, we'll go. But most importantly, I've done a review, um, well, a preview, should we say, on Newcastle. And we'll get to the other stuff that we talked about with the, the, the contract situation with pretty much most of our backline. Um, but first and foremost, we should talk about the weekend. And we would be remiss to talk about Chelsea without talking about other results that went in Chelsea's favour. Um, Noel, it's your job usually to review the whole weekend in terms of bottom, middle, and top. Um, this was a huge weekend for the top three and also United. <laughs> um, uh, and I mean that. Talk to me a little bit about because obviously you were you were at the game. Um the Liverpool game, of course. Yeah, yeah, at the Liverpool Brighton game, as we said, at Anfield. And great seats, by the way. Glad that you and all your your friends and your son, your kid, got to go with you as well, which is always a great experience, regardless. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I have to say, <clears throat> after I saw the Chelsea result, I wasn't rooting for you, but you knew, <laughs> you knew going into that that obviously, it, it's a must-win game at home. You have to win your home games, right? Yep. Um, when you heard that Chelsea were away to Newcastle and basically, you know, sucked the soul out of them. To win it, to win three 0 I think the Alan Shearer said it that said it best. Chelsea sucked the soul out of uh, Newcastle, and what Alan Shearer said was the scariest part about it was no Lukaku, no Werner, no Mount, you know, no Pulisic. It's this. There's a pattern forming here with Chelsea, isn't there? Yeah, I I think looking at it, what I thought was weird about Saturday was you had so many high level games but all kicking off at three o'clock. Yeah. So there was no like, you know what I mean? Like, cause old school. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. it was, so it was kind of weird. So there I was sitting there at half time. Um, I wouldn't say totally content cause we had given up a goal right before half time, which was crazy, but we were top of the league and Chelsea were zero zero with Newcastle and city were getting slapped up by crystal palace. <laughs> so um, I was thinking this could be a great weekend altogether. This could really top it off, you know? So then, about 10 minutes after half time, all of a sudden we were level and under the cosh. Yous were sprinting away like a dog out of the greyhound traps, um, as you do. And uh, Man City were still getting slapped up by Crystal Palace. So it wasn't um, it wasn't ideal, but um, I've said it as I said all along in terms of the league season this year. I think it's going to be a two-horse race. I think City will focus on the Champions League and they will 
let things slide. Not so much, but they won't. They done that. The they done that last year as well. To be fair, mm. just 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 yeah. saying. But um, I think I think with Chelsea, I think it is ominous, and you do have to stay right up against you because you're not gonna drop too many points. And I did say that the league will be decided on the games between the top six, not typically what you do outside of that. Um, yeah. And I just thought for us, it did feel like a defeat. But to be honest, getting out of there with a point, we were very lucky, to be honest, because we could have lost. Um, and I'd rather the gap be three points than four points because it makes it that exactly. bit more difficult. And I like, um, I like bringing you on, Noel, for that reason, because you were quite an honest football fan. And that's what we're trying to portray. Down the middle, here. yeah. Yeah. Um, Carl, yeah. um, obviously you you have a different perspective on it here. You're you're a fellow Chelsea brother. Um, yeah, absolutely. Talk to me. I'm a, you know, of course, initially not not fully. Now I, I I was worried that there was no Lukaku or or Werner. You know what I mean? But look, the lads can score goals, and it's obvious that the, you know. I honestly was a bit, and again, I was a bit worried because normally we we struggle a bit a bit a bit against Newcastle. We do, you know. We do. So. And then it was like half time, they all was like, mm, you know. But the lads, I mean, they composed themselves. And as you said, they sucked, they did suck the life out of them. It was great to see. Yeah. You know, um, I was very, very shocked with that Man City result, you know. But like you said, uh, Noel, there were probably wrestling players, were they? For the Champions uh, League. They weren't necessarily, no. No, I don't I mean, Foden and I was playing. I'll tell you now, actually. But yeah. No, I didn't well, see well, it. Well, 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 Noel's yeah. looking. Well, Noel's looking for the team sheet. I mean, essentially, Man City can use whatever excuse they want. Like mm. at the end of the day, they can say they're concentrating on the Champions League, you know, because Pep needs to win it for his own ego. I don't mm. see that happening under City. I really don't, especially, especially with how strong Chelsea are grown and how Liverpool are grown. And now you've got, you know, we know that the takeover with Newcastle has happened. It's just a matter of time. Of I was talking to my dad today, and he said it, all it takes is that one sign, and that's just a little bit older, yeah. similar yeah. to what you were saying, Noel. Yeah. A little bit older, and then that attracts, you know, the rest. You know, it's mm. it's it is a bit of an effect. But then, did you not? Did you start now, Carl? As you hear, our potential um, takeover. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. yeah. Victims, if you yeah. want to call them that, <laughs> or or alumni. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think a West Ham takeover would be victims. I mean, there's victims there that own it already, isn't there? Yeah, no, yeah. that's true. But um, so I mean, this this whole city thing to me is kind of it's old now. Um, I think, you know, I think a young manager came through last. Well, a younger manager and a newer, you know, a more modern manager came through last season and showed. Pep, what's what? So they can they can concentrate on that all they want. I still think you mm. could see a Liverpool Chelsea final in, the, in in the Champions League. If I'm being honest, I don't think City are going to be there, and I think because they wanted that much more, they're not going to get it. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, but they need to prove me wrong. Um, you know, I I think in um the difference between our team under Tuchel versus uh, PSG under Tuchel, I mean. They're, they were they really were just individuals, you know what I mean? Whereas our team is like stars, but they're playing as a team and they're getting they're, they're playing for the manager, they're playing for the they, they're actually playing for the badge, I feel, you know, especially yeah. the likes of Asby and even Alonso. He, like, he Silva does love has the been a huge, huge part of that yeah. dressing room as well. So there's no way that that defense is a weak. Defense, really. Oh, we will get onto that. We'll get onto that mm. later on. Don't worry. There's a certain ginger <laughs> that we'll call out later on. Who's it? An, <laughs> an awful toe sucker. Um, <laughs> but uh, Noel, I mean, for you, obviously, you are our closest rivals in Liverpool, and obviously, the game that we had away at Anfield. For me personally, I'm just going to say, it from my perspective, and then I'll pass it over to you. That was a huge showing of unity for me as a Chelsea fan because. You know, yeah. a halftime when Reese James, and what a difference a couple of weeks makes to go from zero to like literally now you're looking at hero. Um, and I know you're a huge, huge uh, Reese fan. Um, mm. to to go away to Anfield, but to be ten men for a whole half and literally frustrate the life out of Liverpool. And and, and as you said at the time, people forget this. Probably had the best chances. 
on the counter-attack, which is always going to happen, in fairness. Counter-attack, I understand that's counter-attack football. You, you know, you, 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 you get your battalion and you go hell for leather and then you can get caught caught sleeping a little bit. That's, that's, that's normal. Um, it doesn't mean we played the better football, but that unity between that, that team, I suppose that's probably something that you look at and kind of have a lot of kind of, I suppose, admiration for. Yeah, you, you, but admiration, but also you can relate to it with, with, with the Liverpool squad. Like, yeah, well, it's, it's the foundation from what Liverpool's recent success has been built on. It's yes. all about unity and team and fighting for each other and all that. But I just think that day, I mean, I think Reese was hard done by. I don't think he went to zero. I think the Chelsea fans realised it was a shitty call by the ref, but had to be done. And I think it spoiled what could have been a really, really good game. I'm not saying we would have ran out winners. I'm not saying you would have ran out winners. You looked more powerful eleven versus eleven on the day. Mm. But I just think I think it spoiled what could have been a really, really good game. And I did say it on the day before the game in a preview. I said that this is one of these early season title deciders because I, I really believe. I think the level that you guys are operating on, Carl said that the, the competition for the badge and stuff like that. But I mean, you've literally a stand-in replacement in every position, nearly for your squad. Yeah. So there's no, like, when guys get into that team, they have to fight to stay in that team. And Tuchel is strong enough to know that, like, if a guy isn't performing, bring in the next guy. It's just like a cog on a yeah. wheel. Bring in the next guy, bring in the you, next guy. You actually Did, said that as, to as me on a phone call the other week, no, didn't you, about uh, Callum yeah. hudson Doy? Say that now, because actually mm. I remember what you said. Like He came out in a press conference and said something about Callum hudson Doy. remember? Yeah, well, he told him he was getting an opportunity to step up. And, and, and as you know, he came onto the pitch and I think he scored after five minutes or so. What a statement to send mm. to Tuchel that yeah. week when we yeah. were looking at it. But the point I made is, like these German coaches, <coughs> Klopp and Tuchel, they're so alike. They're like mirror images of each yeah, other in the way are. that they operate. They they don't suffer fills gladly. They don't tolerate kind of crap. They're ruthless in the way that they operate. But it's for the betterment of the squad. They're not ruthless in a way where they fall out with players. You know, like other clubs, like like yeah. you know when Pep Pep got ruthless with Raheem Sterling, and now there's no relationship there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Instead of inspiring Raheem Sterling to become that better player that he should be. He wants out. You know what I mean? It's Grealish. Antonio Conte with uh, Diego Costa. Yeah. yeah. You know, that, that ruined what could have mm. been a really good long career for Costa. Was, you know? Yeah. Well, that's that's probably a different thing because, I mean, you couldn't even say hello to Costa and you'd probably fall out. Which yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. You love it though, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he, but, he um, was a bit of a fucking nut job. <laughs> but I love Yeah, him. but I... But look, you, you can see what you can see what Tuchel's doing there. Like he's an outstanding coach. You, you knew when you were bringing him in, he was an outstanding coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, just look at the picture there behind me and see how happy those boys are. And if you look at the yeah. collection of boys that's in that picture there, and just look at the job he's done on those guys. Look at Barkley there in the middle. I was about to say Ross Barkley, whose career was all but ended with Chelsea. Yeah. You know, you're looking at low. Even even when he was brought back in, Chelsea fans were saying, "What the hell is he doing?" And then yeah. all of a sudden he unleashes this guy who's another like a Lukaku, a trimmed down figure who looks like he wants to boss things. Puts Nadoi back in there, brings back in Loftus-Cheek. Like it's just Chelsea are flying at the moment. There's no doubt about yeah. it. And like it's, you know, I mean, even at halftime the other day when I seen it was nil-nil, I was going, they're just patiently waiting for their chance to break them down. It's not an issue. Like, it's like a shark like, in the water, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No, Whereas you know with Man City, Man City potentially have that thing in them where they might drop points to a Palace or a Southampton or one of these teams, you know. It just happens every so often. Tottenham slapped them up and all, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, they will do that, whereas you won't see that happening to a Chelsea and you generally don't see it happening to a Liverpool, you know. Do you think um, Do you think the fact that he's got that collection of English boys in there as well, that's a big thing? Because it's kind of similar to when Mourinho first came around, isn't it? You've got that collection of English boys that, I mean, let's be real, on form... We have the two best wingbacks, probably anywhere, in Reese James and Ben Chilwell. I mean, on form, the two boys are on form, yeah, yeah, on form. You know, I'm not saying you know this mm. isn't a debate of who's better, or, you know, no. FIFA yeah. ratings or any of that nonsense. It's it's just <laughs> literally on form. These two boys are absolutely flying, and I mean, they're one's a mm. Chelsea project, obviously, <clears throat> Reese James. Chilwell basically has just committed to it. I mean, we talked about Chilwell earlier um, on on, um, on the upper tier now, mm. and how I was kind of frustrated that it was Marcus Alonso getting this chance of yeah. But it's like 
this is kind of what these managers do, isn't it? They make you wait and they say, right, if you're willing to step up to the plate, come on in. It, it, there's plenty mm. of food at the table. Like, um, I think if they have enough, if they have enough players in the squad, they, they like, they do like to rotate them. You know, which is a good thing. Which is, yeah, a good I thing. think so. And I think no, yeah, which is the difference with with, with your. It's unusual team, as well. Yeah. Mm. No, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I think with us, yeah, with us was also slightly different because Klopp at times has been hesitant to rotate to a fault. Um, and, and you even seen it in the Brighton game there the other day, his hesitation in terms of making the substitutions. Yeah. He made them quite late, bring a jot on and giving them yeah. 15 minutes trying to get into the game and stuff like that. But I think I think it's just a way about I me. Mean, sometimes they do things in a certain way that's bewildering to you. And then other times they just show their brilliance. Um, and it's, it's not always obvious, you know what I mean? But they always have an eye on something else, you know what I mean? Like when you think about those games at the weekend, they'll always be thinking towards the Atletico game or... I'm not sure who if Chelsea got Juventus or Malmo. something. Malmo. A, a Malmo, Malmo again. So he's always looking towards that as well. He's not necessarily always in the moment, you know. They always have to think way ahead and stuff like that and all, you know. So I just think it, it, it's it's just it's just one of those things with them. They're different level, and that's why I said you at the start of the season. I think it'd be a two horse race, and you could see the way the matches have panned out. You've been operating at a different level. You kind of had a slight little blip but very little at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. We had a blip as well, but it's a different level when you go in, when, when you really go into the battle and you're in there against a United or a city or whatever it is, that's when you will rise up. And I know you had a bad result against city, but I mean, that was just a very bad day at the office. And as you said, they Tuchel that they kind of got it wrong. He did. And, and you can allow that. That can happen. Yeah. You know, you know, when losing against those teams though, it's, it's, the, it's against the Bournemouths and that kind of stuff. If you feck up there, that's when, you know, they're the, yeah. the games you need to be, Getting yeah. the three points on, you know, like a big high profile match. Yeah, it's not a nice one to, to yeah. take, but if it happens, it happens. Not not all the time, yeah. obviously, though. You know what I mean? Mm. I yeah. think I think what Noel's saying as well, though, it's it's very true because like we we need to win our our big games. I think this year it will boil down to what you. I mean, at Stamford Bridge, that wasn't acceptable, and I think Tuchel accepted that that it wasn't acceptable. Yeah, yeah he and, came out himself. He, he came out himself it. and accepted responsibility for it. Yeah. You know, and he, he and you know, it's it's a breath of fresh air to have a manager that actually blames himself instead of yeah. we've always had the Contes and the Mourinho's mm. that eventually turn on the players turn and then the, the players, players turn on him. He's basically said, No, okay, got it wrong. And he's you know, I I just want to say one thing. Um, and lads, you can chime in on this as well, because there is one player I want to talk about who is a personal favorite of mine, and he's starting to get the recognition that he deserves. It's Ruben Loftus cheek. Um, I think his management of Ruben Loftus-Cheek and his game time management of Ruben Loftus-Cheek has been phenomenal. It's like he's not playing him every game and he gives him a few minutes here and there to make an impact. And every time he comes on, he's making an impact. I mean, we all saw his goal, or sorry, his, his run, win him, winning the ball back to bring it forward and help Mason Mount get his hat-trick against Norwich. And some people will say, oh, well, it's only against Norwich. But look, no one else has beaten Norwich 7-0. So, exactly. you know, that's it it, it. it it there's horses for courses here, like, um. But I'd like Carl. You talk about Loftus Cheek personally, because I, I I personally think he has the potential now to really make that position his own ahead of players like Kovacic if he wants. Yeah, well, I think he's. I think he's. He's the future. If yeah. you know, because Kovacic isn't going to be there for much longer. I'm not saying he's older, but well, he's only 27, and he only signed well, yeah. a five-year deal last year. So in fairness, well, I could, I could see, I could see Loftus Cheek being the mainstay in that position. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, he's got the strength, and he's got like he has the, the football brain as well. You Do you know, not think he he's is. everything that a United fan wants Pogba to be? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> as in that driving central midfielder that just yeah. pushes people off. Noel, what do you reckon? I, I don't think he is because I think most United fans want Pogba out the door. Yeah, <laughs> they probably want Loftus-Cheek in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it, I, I think with Loftus-Cheek, I know Carl said there that he'd be a mainstay, but I think I think it's a different environment when you're at Chelsea's level or Liverpool's level. There is no mainstay. He'll just turn around and he'll just switch out and change whatever suits his formation, what he wants that day, who he's up against. He looks in that midfield, who those boys are up against. But the way he manages people, it's very simple. He serves you up the starter to see how much you want the main course. And he does mm. it all the time. And mm. you see you see it with Hudson, but you'll see it all over the pitch. You've seen mm. it with Mount. 
You've seen it with Hudson Adoy. You've seen it with Loftus Cheek. You've seen it with Berner, Pulisic. You've seen it with Alonso, Chilwell. He does it with all of them. And it generates that hunger that guys know. Like, you can imagine what training sessions are like with these boys looking towards a Wednesday game or a Saturday game or whatever it is, they're probably on fire and trying. They're probably kicking lumps out of each other and trying to, mm-hmm. trying to get on that team sheet. That team sheet is like the holy grail. Yeah. And especially for Chelsea, where Chelsea could fail two Premier League 11s and probably make two top fours. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And that's yeah, the competition true. that's there. It's incredible, the competition that's there. Um, another player I want to bring up, um, we, I know we talked about Ross Barkley. We will... I'm going to do a special on Ross Barkley um, soon. Um, myself, my own, just looking at his his journey, and kind of and looking at like how happy he is now as well, because you can see it in him. He's he's delighted to be part of it again, you know. But um, one player that's in that shot is Andreas Christensen, and we call him the Danish Maldini, mm-hmm. and not for no reason because you know, Mister Alex Ferguson used to like to call people like <laughs> what was his name. Um, box head that they bought for Blackburn, Maldini. Um, what's his name? He's still there. David May, wasn't it? Not Harry Maguire. He's still there. Oh, um, Noel, you know who I'm talking about. Phil Jones, is it not? Phil Jones. There we go. Phil, Phil Jones. Jones. He called. He said he was a player that was the most like Maldini that he's seen, and I'm like, <laughs> good lord. But we like to joke as Chelsea fans and call Andreas Christensen the Danish Maldini. How good has he become under Tuchel? I mean, he he looked a bit lightweight for me when he was under Lampard. Do you know what I mean? It was like, and anyone could brush him off the ball. It was just kind of. I wonder. I wonder. Has this signing of Thiago Silva been a stroke of genius by the club to bring him in and what he's done to the surrounding players? Because I'd also put in Chalaba into that with uh, with Andreas Christensen. What's your reckon, Carl? Yeah, um, I think like all of Chelsea fans, we were a bit iffy about Christensen. But uh, when he like when he turns up to play, it's like you said, he is like a Maldini. He really, really is. And silky uh, on the ball, isn't he? Ah, he, I love. I actually, I, I love him. He's one of my favorite defenders. Like, you know what I mean? As you know, and I've I've always said good things about him over the over. I just I'd be like I used to say, give him time, give him time, and. Uh, it's working out from now, but like there seems to be, like you said, there are all, all those players seem to be playing for the manager as well as I know I said it earlier on, but it's obvious like the, the, they really have upped their game mm. on in every position on that team, and it's a joy to see, you know. Mm. And look at Chalaba, like that. Oh, yeah, we knew he was there, but we didn't think he was going to explode onto the scene as the way he did, like you know. Uh, and it's all, it's real encouraging seeing that you know academy players coming up like that and you know doing what they're doing. It's exciting. <laughs> it's exciting. Carl's excited. No, I you're am. not as excited, but uh, <laughs> it's no, um, I am because I love football. I love coaches, and and if you think about Chelsea, especially Christians, and when you look at him, he always had the ability to be a world class player because definitely. when you seen him on his day, he was absolutely outstanding. But if you look in that Lampard era, he was either a 10 or he was a 5. And yes. that was throughout yeah. the whole squad. You know what I mean? Yeah. But what happens with Tuchel? Tuchel goes in there and he raises everyone up to an 8. And then it's beyond the 8 is what he's pushing for. But it's across the board. Because if you look at Chelsea, people talk about levels within a squad and levels within a team. You have no worries there at all, pulling one of those Lego pieces out and putting another one mm-hmm. in with no fear at all. You know what I mean? Even even looking at your goalkeeper situation, look at Kepa at the moment, how much yeah. he's changed. You know what I mean? Ridiculous. And he, he was getting driven to the airport by Chelsea fans not so long That's ago. Right. You know what I mean? Now he's in there and you could look on a Saturday afternoon and if you heard that Mendy had a problem and he was injured, Kepa's going in. He was worried. There's no issue. You know what I mean? And that's at the very basic level. So all these guys are operating at the same level under Tuchel and he gives everyone the same opportunity. And then he picks what he wants on the day. But there's no there's no gulf there. You know what I mean? There's no mm. difference between Reese James and Kai Havertz or between Timo Werner and Lukaku or Christensen and Rudiger. They're all treated equally at the same level and they all have the same opportunity. And then it's up to them to go and grab it. And it's like it's the competition must be like, as I said you already in training, it must be incredible to be around that bunch mm. of players to be so competitive to want to be on the pitch on a Saturday 
So that's what you want your team to be like, isn't it? You want their team to be competitive so that the best team turns up on the day. That's what you want. On yeah, every but Car- it's very hard, Carl, to get that at the level where you have Chelsea. Like we often, we spoke for years about how Man City had two 11s. But Man yeah. City have never had two 11s the way Chelsea have two 11s. No, never true. at that yeah. level. This like you look at Man City, they, they always they always had they always had a brilliant bench where they'd have six players that could go in and do a job. But if you look at Chelsea, I'm telling you, they have eleven. They could field two 11s in the Premier League, no problem. Yeah. But they're also they're brothers. Do you know what I mean? He's made them all become brothers. Like you look yeah. like we look at that picture behind us there again. You know, there's there's love in their eyes. Like uh, yeah, this mm. is what I wanted to get on to next. I wanted to get on to the to the contract situation. There's four Chelsea defenders that are out of contract now in the summer, um, which is Thiago Silva, who has been like I said, he's been. Listen, if he went tomorrow. I wouldn't care. The two years of service that this man has given us is very beneficial. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, then we've got Azpilicueta, the captain, Andreas Christensen, who we just talked about, and Antonio Rudiger. Now, I'm going to I'll give my thoughts and opinions on this. I'll I'll, I'll start with you on this one, Noel. Do you think there's any doubt that those four boys sign a new contract again? Now, it's possible with Thiago Silva because of his age that he said he wants to go home and, you know, he wants to give his best to his old club. You know, a lot of these Brazilians want to retire there. But do you think there's a possibility that there'll be another year in there? Because he looks, he doesn't look like he's lost a beat, to be honest with you. I, I think he's enjoying life under Tuchel and I, I don't think, I, I get the, the draw of wanting to go back and finish a career there, but there's plenty of time for that. This guy is like, he's, he's royalty when it comes Point to one, isn't he? But I think it's really important that he sticks around in terms of, you know, it's like that kind of, like what we talk about James Milner being that great guy around the squad in terms of experience and stuff like that. And yeah. I yeah. think he's the same type guy there where he's around those guys. And I'm sure when he's in training, He's nearly coaching and critiquing as he goes along, even though he's one of the players. Mm. And I'm, I'm sure he's had a huge part to play in the uplift of, of Rudiger and Christensen and guys like that and all. You know what I mean? I just His awareness, his reading of the game, his positional sense. I mean, he's like Van How, he, how he steps up. Like, do you ever notice the simple yeah. things? He steps up at a time when... And, mm. and now I'm noticing, like, Rudiger steps up or mm. Aspilicueta steps up. You know, they see a danger. Yeah. That's because he's it's going. Like, yeah, it's like mm. when you're coaching a team and you're coaching young lads. I coach young lads under 19 and you're teaching them when it's time to press, when it's time to go and when it's time to hold and when it's time to settle in and when it's time to push. And it's the same thing there. You know what I mean? It's just you just have a great blend there at the moment. And the thing about those guys that are out of contract, I mean, where else do you want to go? The Premier League is the best league in the world. It's the most visual league in the world. It's the biggest draw in the world. It carries the most money in the world and stuff like that. So what are you going to do? Real's not really an option because they're in the mud. Barcelona are in the mud. PSG are diabolical at the moment. So where, like, where, where, where are you going to go? What, what are you going to do? Are they going to drift off somewhere else? Where else is there to go? Like, you know what I mean? You've got Chelsea who are the current European champions who are top of the league in the Premier League at the moment. So where else are they going to go? I saw the best. Uh, I saw the best one on the Liverpool Echo. I don't know how. Seriously, you guys take that over at Liverpool. <laughs> um, but I saw the best rumor was that uh, Rudiger is wanted by Liverpool uh, for an extra thirty Rudiger. grand. I'm like, Rudiger would be wanted by any club. Of course, he you would. know what I mean. Like, like would. if if well, I wouldn't be upset if Antonio Rudiger come to Liverpool at of all. Course, you know of course, of course. But what I'm no, saying no. is the realism of that happening is is kind of the. No. the, the no. You know, I, she, I, did, I, she didn't. Did, she didn't. Rayola ring us about taking Pogba. <laughs> that's very true. That's very true. Yeah. No, I think. I think with our defender situation, I think you're going to be looking at. I mean, as Pilaqueta, I know that Barcelona have contacted him as well and wanted to make him kind of their new captain and all that kind of cracking. Yeah, I don't. Nah. I'm the same. He'll, I don't. He'll, he'll go into the Tiago. He'll go into the Tiago situation. He'll go on those role in one years. Yeah, and, and that's it. And, and he I might think, be. He might be used a little less. That's all. Yeah, that's that's the way I see it. To be honest with you, I think Tiago. I, I personally agree with you. Know, I think Tiago Silva will see what's going on here, especially if Chelsea win the league and win a yeah. couple of other cups to go with it. There's no way he's going to want to. 
leave that. You know what I mean? He's he just looks like he's falling in love with that whole situation. What about you, Carl? Yeah. You 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 haven't talked about it. Um, I I think he I think he'll stay if if you know if if the conditions are right. I would I wouldn't mind actually if he played another season or two, and then maybe start coaching for us. You know, I but think, I think that's going to happen. I do think yeah. I do see him being a part of Tuchel's coaching team for sure. Yeah, absolutely. As as Noel said, maybe he is already kind of yeah. helping. I think know. so. But um, as as regards to the other lads, I think Christensen will resign because like that he's he's now firing on all cylinders. You know. Um, he's a Chelsea boy as well. Yeah, Rudiger is the only one who I would have had doubts about. Um, you know, you always get the impression he wants to to try as, as even though yeah, the Premier League's the best league in the world. If we win the league, he'll he'll have won the league and the Champions League. He might want to go somewhere else. So he's the only one I'd have kind of not not even concerns. I do I, I love him as no, yeah, as you know. No, you're making a good point. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah I think. He'd probably be the only one that might want or, or consider leaving for a new challenge. What do you, you know? think, Noel? Do you think uh, the Bayern kind of project would entice him, or do you think no? Do you think he's just trying to get as no. much money as he can on his I, last I, big I, contract? No, no, I think what it is is I, I think he's a guy who's he's, he's driven and he wants to be successful. But I, I think if he's looking for a new challenge, I mean, is a new challenge going to Bayern Munich? I mean, no. where... No. They generally like. I mean, what did they do? Did they win five or six trophies in one calendar year or something like that? Yeah. Like, yeah. They slap up nearly everyone in the German league. I know it's a little bit on the edge at the moment and stuff like that. But like, what? Where's the challenge in going to Bayern Munich? I mean, like me and you could slot into the Bayern Munich team and we'd win a German league. You know what I mean? Where's the challenge for a guy who's at that level who just won the Champions League, who's had a fresh breath of air put through his career? He was the like he was the outcast under Lampard. He's come back in. Tuchel has nothing but admiration for him. He's brought him back in and regenerated his career. I mean, if I had been still the Lampard era, I would have turned around and said, yes, of course he wants it. You know what I mean? Look, it's horrible. Like, you know what I mean? But yeah. if you look at him now, he's never been as happier. He's never been as competitive. He basically has that position nailed down. Um, mm. Not like not too many people are going to be really challenging him for it, and rightly so. Um, so what, why, why would he want to leave? And he's still only 28, you know, for, for a defender. That's... Defender, yeah. Eight years, do you know what I mean? He's very competitive, isn't he? I love his competitive well, streak. Well, I mean, if you're around Thiago Silva, he could have another eight years. Isn't he? Yeah. You Listen. know what I mean? If he's listening to Thiago Silva, you know what I mean? So. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I like that. Um, let's let's kind of we'll finish up now in a few minutes. Um, let's let's kind of look more at the forwards and kind of look at um, I kind of how because obviously we thought. With Lukaku gone, we thought with fucking with Werner gone that things were going to go. We'd be struggling for goals. It's actually quite the opposite. Um, never, I never, I never thought. Kai Havertz, another <laughs> player that some people have um, have kind of went, and also we're going to talk about Jorginho as well. Um, I mean, Jorginho, a player that that I think unless you're really a footballing man, and I'm saying this to a lot of people here now. Unless you're a real football man, you don't get what Jorginho does. So, you know, don't pretend to be a football man um, if you don't understand Jorginho's role. Because in a two-man midfield, that's a very difficult role, right? Noel, you, you're a coach. You know that. Um, Listen, as, as I say to people who discuss Jorginho in that way, McAlealy only became world-class when he retired. Exactly. Exactly. And it's that, the same with Jorginho. That, yeah. Jorginho is absolutely world class, and I mean to think that even Messi could possibly win the Ballon d'Or this year is just that shows you how corrupt football is, in my opinion. Yeah. Because you can give it to Ronaldo then if you want, because at least he's had a bit of a season since joining United. But mm. the Ballon d'Or is meant to be January to January. You know, it's the year. Yeah, it's but year. but 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 it it also takes it takes a retrospective look at your career. Which is ridiculous. I know it does. You know yeah. I mean? So it's that's ridiculous. why Messi's there. Messi's there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, if if Jorginho, so it's a little boys' club in that sense. Oh, it is the little boys' club. Yeah, it's the Bohemian yeah. Grove kind of stuff, and that's that's what that's what we get. But um, yeah, I just thought I'd throw that in there for you know supposed football experts that think Jorginho isn't uh, a good footballer, um, great player, but think that Fred is good. Anyway, we move on. 
Um, <laughs> any Man United fan, it's like an any Chelsea fan, it's just laughable at this point. <laughs> I love it's you, just not interesting. I love you, Darren. You know, when he messing with you. Um, so let's talk about the forward line, right? Noel, you had your doubts about Timo Werner this year. Um, I think to be fair, since he's been in, and obviously he's been out, we've still done pretty good, but. When he was playing this year, good lord, he was starting to get some some pretty big goals for us. Obviously, the winner against West Ham, um, playing a little bit better for his country as well. Well, a lot better for his country as well. But also, him and Lukaku look to have linked up pretty well, and it shows how important he is. Probably more so, even than Pulisic, I, I would dare say. Mm. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a kind of a different comparison, really. I mean, I I still think the jury's out on Werner, um, and I know he came in with a huge reputation from the Bundesliga and stuff like that, and played in a kind of a different kind of pattern that yous are now trying to replicate slightly. Um, but I, I I never fault him on his work rate. I never fault him on his his loyalty to his cause to try and improve and be better and stuff like that. But I, I just I'm just still not sure on him in terms of the level that you guys operate at. And I think what happens is with him needing so many opportunities at time to get at home, I think it could cost you in the future if you're not careful. Now that, you know, don't get I'm, me wrong. I, I think gonna... under Tuchel, Sorry. I think under Tuchel, I think Tuchel will guide him and will coach him and will, you know, manage him the right way and stuff like that. But, but I think if it doesn't click in really, really quick the way it should, that the team of Werner that we know exists or did exist, um, I think he could be one of those players in the squad that tries Tuchel's patience just a little bit too much. See, I, I disagree. That's just my summing up. No, no, and I disagree. I think he's actually more important than any of the players because if you look at when we win, where Tuchel goes and how many defenders he draws away from him because of his pace. I think it's so important. Um, I think he's as important as someone like a Bobby Firmino. And don't forget, Bobby Firmino wears the number nine, but he doesn't score mm. the goals that people expect of a number nine yeah. to score. And that's not a knock. I'm just saying that that's... No, that, it's, it's the exact same conundrum. I mean, when is. you talk mm. about Bobby Firmino, he, he should be producing so much more. But exactly. don't fault him on his work rate towards the team. And exactly. And I, mean, and the perfect I, put example the same, I put them in the same... I put them in the same... Almost... You 100%. Know, yeah. 100%. Yeah. But, I, but I think at some point as well, you know, when you're in the trenches and when you really need it, that's the time when you need that guy to step up. Now, well, look, there's no doubt about that a couple I mean, of times this year. That's why I'm saying before he got injured, he seems to be doing that, yeah. right? Yeah, I, I, I just think I agree with you there, but I, I just think I think the expectation from you guys on Timo Werner should be much, much more. When you think about the squad that he's playing in, when you think about the coaching that he's receiving. Fair. When you think about the players that are around him, like you can't fault him. I mean, he made the run. He was pivotal in the goal that won you the Champions League. If you think he drew yeah. the players away, that opened up for Kai Havertz yeah. to score the goal. Now, yeah. He was important as Kai Havertz in terms of that goal and winning the Champions League. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. And that work is always brilliant and we love to see that. But at some point, you have to look at your top two statistics when you're at that level. And at that Chelsea level, definitely. Because if you think about it, I know it's all well and good saying, and we said it during the weekend, we've spoke about this, I think 19 different goal scorers in the team. And whatever it is now, it's probably 38 goals at this stage so far this season at this stage. But how many how many goals phenomenal. did team, and I have to be fair to Timo as well, and this is the truth, and it goes back to the FA and the fucking corruption within it. And like, we are the biggest sufferers as a top club of FA sure. fucking decisions. We are. And whether anyone likes it or not, and we can call me a crybaby, that's fine. If you're listening to this show and you're not a Chelsea fan, call me a crybaby. <laughs> but it's the it's the truth. We are the biggest sufferer of referees within this league without a shadow of a doubt. Noel, you've said it yourself. It's a fact. You've seen it at times where you're going, what the fuck is going on here? Mm. He had so many goals that were onside last year that were just ruled out. For offside because his hand against Liverpool is a perfect example. Yeah. Literally, a fingernail was offside. Yeah, well, I, think, I think 
Sorry, mm. go ahead. Yeah, no, I get, I get, I, I, I get where you're coming from, but like VAR is there for everyone, and it's a pain in the arse. And we, and we, we all wanted it to come in, and then when it came in, we didn't realize what we were getting. And I think this That's year, true. I think that is doing, true. I think I'll hold my hands up. I think, <laughs> I think this year, I think they're doing a better job on it, where they're they're, they're doing the lines and the measurements, and it's all much clearer from where they're doing it this year. But I, I'd say to you guys as Chelsea fans, except, except for except for the Anfield one, except for the Anfield one, well, I have you on here now. He just saw the hand on the ball and just went, "Yeah, that's a penalty." Didn't even look 100%, at it. Hundred percent, hundred percent. But Carl, from your point of view, you guys were like, we were in for Timo Werner. We know that we had had conversations stuff like that. And then we mm. backed, we backed off it, or he backed off us, whatever it was. And he ended up going to you guys. You guys were yeah. super excited. This guy was a Bundesliga megastar. He was a goal yeah. machine. Blah 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 blah, and all that. If you look back now on your excitement that you had then, and how much you were into Timo Werner, and how excited you were from coming in, he has certainly at this stage flattered to deceive. Yeah, he's nowhere near where you thought he would be in terms of this goal machine, machine yeah. and I mean that's where I'm coming from when I talk about mm. him I, I never discredit his work right he's a workhorse in terms of the work that he does in terms of his off the ball stuff that he does and everything else but I still say at some point if Lukaku was doing that job you'd be going in on him hard if he wasn't delivering the goals and I think with Werner I think you have to take a similar approach you have to eventually turn around and go do the stats match the goal machine that we thought was there um, I think Noel. Um, yeah, when Werner came in, I was we were all excited. There's, there's a big hoopla about this goal scorer, and I, I've, I've said again, I've said this to Ian a few times. I like Werner the way he's playing with Chelsea, the way Fernando Torres was, in that yeah he was brought into score these hundreds of goals, but his work rate, like you like you said, it, it was phenomenal, and his work rate off the ball. And again, I know that's not what they're brought in for, but at the same time, I can I can really really appreciate that work rate that he has. And you you did say it, no one can knock his work rate, which is absolutely true. Yeah, I know we brought the likes of him in for scoring goals, but um, you know, like I'm 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 hopeful. I'm still hopeful that it'll click with him. Uh, maybe I'm a little bit easier going than a lot of Chelsea fans. I don't know, but I, I do like. Werner, I think he's a, an honest player. I think he's hard working. Um, the only thing I will say that we're, I'm happy about him being injured is there's not as much fucking offsides now in the team, which is great. <laughs> you know, yeah, but he runs around like a he runs around like a headless chicken, yeah. and it's it's frustrating yeah. at times. Yeah, but I do like him. He's a genuine, hard working player, and he's yeah. you can see he he's happy to be at Chelsea, and he it, it annoys him when he doesn't score or, or when he's all those offside goals. I mean, Jesus, you, you know, if, if he didn't, if he had scored those goals, we'd be talking differently about him now. Obviously, I know that's an obvious thing to say, but yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, yeah, but yeah, what what you were saying, yeah, it's very different player than what we thought we were getting. Yeah, see, it's it's a different environment if you think about it because the spotlight doesn't have to go on him. Because like Reese James is scoring goals, Jorginho scoring goals, Kovacic is even chipping in with goals. Everyone, mm. Kai Havertz, you know, they're all scoring goals. So, you know, the spotlight doesn't have to be on them. But if you played Newcastle the other day and you finished nil-nil and Werner had to be in playing and he had three chances and he missed them, that's a very different conversation. You know what I mean? In terms of Suppose, the outlook yeah. on how you look at the whole thing, you know what I mean? But because... You have so many guys in there. I mean, literally everyone has scored at this stage by Mendy, probably I'd say. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it sort of it sort of overshadows the reliance on a Lukaku or on a Timo Werner. I mean, they've been out for two weeks or whatever it is now at this stage, and it's like mm-hmm. nothing has gone away. You know what I mean? Like it's I mean, if anything, with those two boys out of the team, as you say, Carl, you're probably playing better football in terms of football yeah. in the moment than than you know, maybe Werner does stray offside a number of times and it breaks down the play or Lukaku or whatever it is, you know what I mean? But with these guys, because you're operating a different system now and a lot of it's coming from deep, so it doesn't give you that offside kind of opportunity. You're playing a much better yeah. brand of football. It's more patient. Like, you look at that Newcastle game the other day, there was no panic, there was no doubt Chelsea were going to win. No. It was just time and time and time and patience and it will come, it will come, it will come. And it did come and you ran out 3-0, easy winners in the end. 
I think I think we're at a stage, uh, Noel, where we're in. You know, I think we're we're at a position where in a in a luxury where we have, like you said, quality players in every position and players that can score from from every position now. So we're not, like you say, we're not missing the the, the strikers that much just yet. Now, of course, to have a proper team harmony, I would love to see them back and uh, when they come back, obviously, and start scoring. But it's a great position for us to be in, and I think every team would be envious of where we're at right now, you know? Yeah, well, it's, it's a very scary position as well because I was talking to Ian about this last week, and the problem is if I'm sitting here now and I'm the manager of any of these other Premier League teams and I'm sitting down and going, right, we have Chelsea on Saturday, what tactics do I deploy? Who do I pick up? Who's the danger? They're all the fucking danger. So where do you go? You know what I mean? So the thing about it is you're trying to you're trying to construct something to go head to head with Chelsea, and you're trying to think, well, this week is it going to be Koi Havertz? Is it going to be Reese James? Is it going to be Thiago? Is it going to be Rudiger? Who's it going to be? Who's going to pick up? Everyone else sits back, lets people come forward, and how do you pick them up and stuff like that? So it's such a difficult conundrum when you're laying out a team against a Chelsea team like that because you don't even know who he's going to pick, mm. and no matter who he picks, it doesn't dilute the team in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Yeah. And that's a real problem for other Premier League teams. And that that's puts you in a position like the old Man United way, where you're nearly beating teams before you go on the pitch. And that's a mm-hmm. very strong position to be in. Great for us, not the other teams. No, I think so. Because when I look at like uh, I look at Burnley next week going into, you know, five points ahead, you know, of City, for example, that's gonna be very hard for City to to, to get back. Like, Noel, you said at the start of the season that there becomes a little bit of a gap. You know, I know there's not a huge gap between us, but there's a gap between us. There's three points. Yeah. Like, that's three points. To me, to me, if that gap goes beyond three, it becomes a problem. Because what happens is, if you go five points ahead of City, they're potentially looking at you having to get five draws. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's like, you're just not going to, like... It's unlikely that you're gonna get slapped up by anyone. You know what I mean? No. Like unless you unless you get a flood of injuries or something happens in Europe and guys get injured or whatever it is, or you know what I mean. But you're you're not gonna go out on any given week. It doesn't matter whether you're facing City or us or Arsenal or United or whoever it is. It's not gonna be one of those things where you turn around and go, you know, I fancy City today. Everyone is gonna turn around in those games and go, I fancy Chelsea today. And then it's whether Chelsea performs or not. We've seen it in the City you can, the city game. You can have a blip. But how often is that going to happen in a season? And it's Very a 1-0. And I mean, it was a dodgy goal. You know what I mean? It wasn't like something that was... It wasn't a hammering yeah. from City. It was a goal that got a deflection. Happens. Yeah, you're kind of going, that happens. I, I, do think, I do think with the way he got it wrong in that game, though, City were impressive and they did have other chances. I don't 100%. think the scoreline told the tale of it. But I do think, look, if you only had one bad day at the office in the season, it's not too bad, is it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so far. So far. Well, we had a bad day at the office against Juventus as well. But, like, that's Italian teams as well. They smother you. They smother the life yeah. out of you. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it's a different competition. You know you'll coast through that either way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think so. But um, I think in closing up, like, it's, it's kind of... Who's been... Carl, who's... Let's let's all give our most, um, you know. Imp- who's been the player that's impressed you most so far? Okay, um, like they've all like I'm I'm, I'm really really happy with how it's true. It, it's a hard one. It's a hard one. Mm. I I have to say I like Mandy. I think Mandy's doing fantastic. He's been phenomenal. You know? And actually, we, can, like, we, can we just have a conversation about Mendy and actually talk about how, you know, this. I work with a lot of Brazilian guys and they'll tell me how, oh no, 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 no. The best two goalkeepers are Alisson and Edward in the, in the Premier League. I think Mendy is easily in that conversation. And I think if you're talking about actual goalkeeping, yeah. actual goalkeeping and like doing your job and st- forget about this ball passing, you know, this goalkeeper that's able to pass the ball, the best shot stopper and the best actual goalkeeper on form right now is Edward Mendy, and I don't think yeah. anyone would have doubts about that. No. Maybe Ted, because Ted always thinks that Mendy has a mistake in him. Ted, you're will, you're you're more than willing to come on the show. Come on. <laughs> no, I love Ted. It, I just had to Absolutely. call him out on that. Ted, Ted Turner, even even Noel couldn't believe that. He was like, "What? <laughs> Mistaking him? <laughs> Wait, show me one." Um, 
But yeah, I think that was it, when, it, that, that's when I was rallying towards the phone to find out all the clean sheets and everything. Going, where's this mistake <laughs> you're talking about? Then he's I'm actually he's actually beaten he's beaten <laughs> Petr Cech on every single stat. And you're talking about Petr Cech, who was literally arguably Legend. the greatest Premier League goalkeeper of all time. He's definitely up there with Peter Schmeichel. So you could you you can argue that, you know. And of course, he was, he's a, he's a, he's a, a a nod from. Peter Cech. Peter Cech was the one who was so exactly. So I mean, let's Carol first of all, and then I, I want Noel's opinion on this too because obviously he mm. loves Allison and and rightly so. But is it about time that we have this conversation of him being easily in the top three goalkeepers in the world right now? Um, uh, based on this season, yeah. And last, like, I mean, and last as well, yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. Um, like I mean, let's be honest. When we got him in, we didn't think we didn't know we were getting as world of class of a player that we have. We really didn't. Like we, yeah, we knew he was good, but like you know, we, it had to be somebody good who to take over from. Um, uh, what's his name? Fucking Kepa. I couldn't think of his name. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like, uh, and and he has really he has repaid us. In spades, he really has. So he would be my my player of the season so far. Okay, Noel. Yeah, I think he's an outstanding goalkeeper. There's no doubt about it, and he's a hundred percent in the conversation. Um, but but I think isn't isn't it brilliant that we we follow teams in a league where we have these world-class players in there that are fighting to the nail to be in that conversation, you know what yeah. I mean? And it's, I think he's outstanding, but I think, I think the biggest benefit to Mendy as well is, I mean, if you think about when Mendy came in first, he didn't exactly set the world alight either. You know what I mean? No. With the, with all that hassle that was there and all that upheaval at the back and stuff like that. But as soon as you settled that back line and as soon as those guys started performing, so, I mean, his day is a handy day, really. He's very like Allison in that way where he can have nothing to do for 85 minutes. And then that one moment he's called on, boom, and he's switched yeah. on and he makes it happen. And that's what world-class goalkeepers are, you know what I mean? They, they have very little to do for most matches. But once that moment happens, that's the difference between being in the conversation and not being in the conversation. Mm. And he has it in the bucket loads. Allison has it in the bucket loads. Edison has it in the bucket loads. Donnarumma has it in the bucket loads. Yeah. All Black has it in the book of loads. There's about at That's the moment five, probably though. somewhere that that is your five, and you probably pick out maybe another one or two, but you've probably mm. about eight goalkeepers at the moment in the world who are absolutely another level, Phenomenal, and yeah. they're all in the conversation in around the same level in the same way they operate and stuff like that. They're rarely involved in games, but I think in the point that I make to you as well, goalkeeping has evolved in such a way now that distribution is huge. Oh no, you I understand that. I understand that. Of course, that. of course. And and that's a that's a massive thing. And I think Mendy's very good at that as well. You know, but, what I, mean? think, but I, I think I think what you look at with what Chelsea have made different for someone like Mendy mm. is that the distribution for him is his backline. Yeah. Because of that tree, mm. nobody has put that tree and perfected that tree mm. like Chelsea have. Mm. Nobody since Antonio Conte, nobody has been able to perfect well, that tree because. He can just pass it to someone like a Christensen mm. or someone like a Thiago Silva, and that's it. Like his his kicking mm. isn't great. Like in fairness, Kepa, that's the one thing Kepa has over Mendy, is his distribution is far better. Now, don't get me wrong, Mendy's throwing is great, but his actual kicking isn't great. And I think that's what mm. Ted was trying to say was that his kicking isn't great. Mm. It can go to someone, but it's never it's yeah. never cost us a goal. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm. Yeah. Noel, based on that. Um, who who's been the standout player for Chelsea for you? Definitely Jorginho, hundred percent Jorginho, head and shoulders. I think above anyone else at Chelsea. I think he was halfway out the door. I think he was highly frustrated in the Lampard there. Um, I think he was practically walking in. Was it AC Milan? He was going there or something like that. Juventus, was that he was heading think, back yeah, to Juventus, Juventus, or Juventus, Juventus yeah. was it? It was one of the Italian teams anyway, and he was gone. He was gone without a shadow of doubt. And to see the turnaround in his career and the success that he has had and the level that he is playing at, you know, I, you know me, I'm a Liverpool fan through and through, and I can't mm. talk enough about it. Well, you, you actually sent me that you know video me? where he was crying when he won the, 
the Champions League and he was just saying like nobody everyone doubted me like that was that was actually quite emotional yeah yeah and I, I just think in terms of Chelsea there I think he's in terms of his story and his his rise to that level um, I mean this is a guy who was in the Ballon d'Or conversation 100% Absolutely. he's a guy he was just voted what was it the, the best player or the best midfield the best, best player, midfield, best player. Think, no Oh, he was best player. Uh, was Tante for some reason. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. Which, which again is kind of weird in the way it makes sense. But I like the way they share it around. But I just think it's um, I just think to go from where he was, which was out the door, heading back to the Italian league, the frustration of being under Lampard at times must have been horrific on him. Um, and to come back and to get a fresh breath of life to win the Champions League. Very unlucky in an FA Cup final, top four, um, you know, top of the league now, doing really well in the Champions League again, playing brilliant football, brilliant coach around a brilliant squad, and to be so happy and so settled again, um, I think his story is phenomenal. And he looks like a leader, doesn't he? He is a leader. He is in a leader. my opinion, he's the real captain. I mean, if Aspilicueta did go to Barcelona next year, I don't think you've really any trouble, do you? No. When you're captain, because he's your captain. Look, you could throw five or six names there into a bag, pick out one, and you wouldn't be disappointed. Yeah, I go Silva. <laughs> Any of them. Yeah. Any of them. Any um, I'm going to um, I'm going to concur with Noel. I think Jorginho as well. Um, you know, I'd love to say Kai Havertz not because I think Kai Havertz is. I think he's improved. A lot of people are expecting Kai Havertz to score twenty six goals already in the season and I don't again I don't know what people are watching when they're watching football you know maybe it's FIFA maybe it's the FIFA effect. <laughs> it's you know it's all these stats that you're meant to base you know good players mm. on but I think Coy Hebert since um, he's, he's had to lead that line has been absolutely phenomenal um, I do I think he's been phenomenal mm. I think Mason Mount I mean he's probably another player that I could say Look, Noel said it to so many players on this channel exactly. that you could you could just go. But I do think the one constant is Jorginho. And the thing is, when you're not looking at the player that you know will will be giving you that consistency every week, then you know that you don't have to worry about that player. And that's what Jorginho is. He's that player that you don't need to look at. You know. Yeah. Again, he's another one of those players that I don't know what people want from him other than what he does. I mean, you can't he take the ball He does what he does him. well. He, yeah, he does yeah. it well. What he does. But you, you can't yeah. take the ball from him. He, he basically sets the tempo of that midfield. I mean, looking at him yesterday against... Uh, he's the best penalty taker on the planet. Sorry, Messi, yeah. but he is. Um, but... Other than that, like, I mean, he just literally, he's always called, like, some of the balls, when he plays a ball through, he, it means something. He doesn't do it all the time purely because, but when he plays that little pass, he's almost like a mix, isn't he, of a McAuley and a, a Fabregas? Yeah. I think. His, his use of the ball is exceptional. Yeah. Like, if he doesn't see a pass on, he pass it back. And pe- maybe that's what people don't like. It's because they think he passes it back too much. And that, that includes my own, you know, some of my own Chelsea people think that. But, he, you know, passing it back sometimes isn't a bad thing if it means that you're getting your, your shape back. That's what a leader does, you know? If you're maintaining the position. Yeah, keep the shape. Noel, you know this as a, as a coach at the moment. Sometimes you pass can't it back. Do let... Can't do anything. You can't do anything without possession. Nothing. Mm. So and and what, what people forget about is if he passes that ball back and that ball goes across the back line and out to Reese James, and Reese James makes a run, plays the ball into Havertz, Havertz squares it into someone in the middle and they score a the goal. No one ever realizes that it started from the pass back. Where did the play they start? don't go from? back that far. Where did the play start from? Yeah, every, yeah. everyone starts on about Reese James with his great pass and yeah. Koy Havertz with his great pass yeah. that led to a goal, but no one ever remembers where it is. I told you already, McAuley became world class when he retired. People just didn't and they, and they named the position and, 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 after him. Yeah, yeah. And I don't mean it in the Chelsea fan base. I mean, when you look at other fan bases, when they talk about him now, they realise how good he was. Yeah. And I think Jorginho is going to be the same. I think Jorginho will have an outstanding career at Chelsea or wherever he goes. 
I think he will get plaudits at times. I think he'll be revered in the Chelsea fan base. But I think it's only when he retires and moves on, people will then call that position the Jorginho position, like what they did mm. with McAuley. And did, it'll uh, take time. What did uh, Pep Guardiola say? Joe's Jorginho is an artist. And the camp, look, don't forget who wanted Jorginho before Chelsea did. Yeah. Look, the, the way to sum it up with Jorginho is... If you're, if you're discussing who you think is the most improved player and the best player in there, and he's ahead of N'Golo Kante in the conversation, then you've got a top-notch footballer. Because N'Golo Kante is outstanding as well. Yeah. yeah, and then like you can put anyone beside Jorginho. Kovacic, <laughs> Kante. And, and you know what? The funny thing is, when I play FIFA, Jorginho is the first name there. And it's like, who do you play beside him? Hmm. <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's it's Loftus Cheek, it's it's Kante, it's Kovacic, it's but I mean, whoever. Even, even when even when you look at the future there, where you've Jorginho there, and as as Carl said, if Kovacic goes off, I mean the boy Conor Gallagher at the moment is outstanding, outstanding. Yeah. And then you've got Billy, Billy Gilmore, who, who who who's a very very good player, but obviously picked the wrong long move. Well, he's <laughs> yeah. the, he's the natural he's the natural successor to Jorginho. Yeah. But that, that boy Gallagher is just, pff, he's different level, isn't he? He's yeah. sauce. He's he's Lampard, like, isn't he? He looks like <sighs> Lampard in that sense. Yeah. He, he comes up with those goals. He reminds you of Frank Lampard. His strength is unbelievable. His strength is unbelievable. And you just and you just look at those two and, and look look at those two. Look, look at Conor Gallagher and, and Billy Gilmer and you guys just loan them out at a whim. <laughs> you guys take them and educate them for a year and we'll bring them back <laughs> in after a year or two. And, and they'll we'll be our the new, rewards. They'll be, they'll be our new loftus cheek or our new whatever, you know what I mean? And it's just, I always say it about Chelsea. I mean, Chelsea in terms of their loan book and in terms of their projects and stuff like that, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. You know what I mean? It's just... We are. Uh, we're going to end this on me saying that. Listen to all the the fans out there that have new owners, especially Newcastle fans at the moment, and to potentially you West Ham fans. You will never have an owner like Chelsea have an owner. It's a different level. What we've done is put together something that you can only wish. And I hope you follow the book. I hope you do. But uh, there will just never be anything like that. That that Cobham. That loan army is just phenomenal. And even the women are fucking, mm. even the women are, are really. I'd, I'd worry about this Newcastle takeover. The money that they have is just insane. But I don't insane. think we need to worry about it, you see, because it's no. not like before. You know what I mean? Like, it's like you can't just put Karen Benzema or anyone else into a team and expect them to just go and beat a Chelsea. It just won't work. Um, but you can give them time and they can bring in a number of Korean Benzema's and then they can be but guess what but guess what so can Uncle Uncle Roman because he's still worth 20 billion (laughs) I'm I'm very excited yeah but this guy's worth 350 billion it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if like he's still worth 20 billion if you're telling me that a player's worth 100 million and Roman goes oh so the rules are over now okay so we don't have to financially fair play do you want to come to Chelsea or do you want to go to Newcastle? Pick one. Well, here's the difference. Here's the difference between the two teams. You, you, like, you, you, like Chelsea have superstars in that team already. Newcastle's going to have to start from the from the bottom up and mm-hmm. spend a hell of a lot of money to get up into the mix for the for the top four. Well, especially that, that with Liverpool. A, especially with Liverpool, Chelsea. Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Listen, uh, that won't be a problem to them. What I will say is, I think Noel's right. Um, I, again, I don't think it's going to be a thing. I mean, Newcastle will win the league in their lifetime, possibly. I don't know. But then it could be a situation where, like, you know, to all you Man City fans out there, you would pay me money now just to say you were a Champions League winner. But you won't be ever. <laughs> ever. You know what I mean? And like, because there's always going to be a Thomas Tuchel there that will go, yeah, great. No problem. You know? <laughs> So be certainly be, be certainly interesting to see who they get in after Guardiola, won't it? Yeah, I think they're on the downward spiral. To be honest with you, I think uh, they're they're gonna they're gonna suffer big. I mean, and the thing about it is, we've always said it: this whole this whole conundrum of of trying to pigeonhole how much people spend it, it's wrong, and I understand it's also not a great idea that 
you know, the bigger teams have more to spend than the other teams. But if you look at, you actually look at it, you know, Chelsea get a lot of, a uh, lot of, you know, shit over this. We literally kept a lot of that lower league level going by basically, you know, putting players out on loan, signing some of these players from those teams, keeping them going. Like the, we, we, Abramovich has been an absolute godsend for the game. Mm. And, I say it to fan bases all the time, and I don't be disrespectful when I say it, but 14 teams feast at the table of six teams. Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. And in fairness, so that's no disrespect to any other team but, out there. But Abramovich is one of the only owners that has fucking made sure it goes downhill as well. You know, he really has. Um, mm. I mean, all, uh, this is only something that a Chelsea fan would know, but in 2006, Grimsby were literally on the verge of bankruptcy and, and like not being existing they literally don't we were playing them in the league cup we literally donated all the Chelsea jerseys to them signed them the whole team signed them and it kept them kept them afloat do you know what I mean that was something and that was something Abramovich actually came up with and, and apparently he gave them a few quid as well so you know this, this, this lad is the best owner that's ever ever come to our, our soil well English soil, um, and you know, I'm just gonna say that there, like Abramovich is the best owner mm. out of all the takeovers. And Noel, I doubt you disagree with that. Yeah, no, I think he's he's a footballer man, and he, he he wants success, um, and he and he's ruthless as well. Like don't, you know, you see that you see that Russian smile on his face there when he's there as well, and you think butter wouldn't melt in his mouth. Gutch in the tunnel in a second. Oh, yeah. Fact. And uh, but I, I I think, yeah, and I think to be honest, which in the UK, with the work he's done in the UK between charities and you know, regeneration and everything else he's done, and like you spoke about with other teams in and all, and it like he's vilified in the UK, you know what I mean? It's shocking, like you know what I mean? It's just purely political, unfortunately, and that's not a conversation that we need to have. No, um, well, no. look, lads, I think that's been a that's been a nice show. It's something, something a little bit different. Um, yeah. You know, we we had the relaunch. Obviously, I'm going to be doing a lot of these solo, but it's nice to it's nice to have guests on and, and just kind of talk about it from a different angle. Um, Carl, my brother, thank you very much. Thanks Niall, for having me on, man. Of course, my brother. A pleasure as always. My pleasure to have you both on. Um, so I suppose until the next time, let me hear that Chelsea roar. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Malmo. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, until next time, you can follow us, of course, on the Dynamo Podcast Network. Um, you can find the Chelsea Roar playlist if that is all you want to listen to. If you are a football fan, of course, you can catch Noel on the upper tier, um, which he has absolutely everything going there. You've got, if you're a Liverpool fan, please. I don't know where you're watching this far in if you're a Liverpool fan, but if you are, yes, if you are, yeah, if you are, please do. But uh, Noel's got absolutely everything the Monday mashup, which is uh, all of us basically talking absolute shite on a Monday, isn't that right? Noel, that's it, Banter FC on a Monday night, yeah, Banter FC on a Monday night. Um, but most importantly, Dynamo Podcast Network, like and subscribe, comment on the video below if you think we're talking shit, if you think Jorginho is overrated. You're wrong, but tell us why we're wrong. Um, that's it. We're uh, we're over and out, guys. I think. Nice one, man. Thanks again. Over.